Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. For the past six and a half years, more or less weekly, museum people gather on Twitter for something called Museum Hour. Together, these people form a peer-to-peer community, supporting discussion and debate between those who work in, enjoy, and challenge museums in society. That's the beauty of Museum Hour. It is entirely independent. It is not an organization. It is just about holding a space so other people can talk with each other. This is Dr. Tamina Goskar, who co-founded Museum Hour back in October 2014. Goskar also founded the Curatorial Research Centre. Hello, my name is Tamina Goskar, and I am the director and curator of the Curatorial Research Centre. And that's an organisation I started back in 2018, very much to support fellow curators from around the world and also to make progress in modernising curatorial practice. This month, Goskar officially steps back from her role in Museum Hour. I wanted this to serve as both an exit interview and a chance to highlight other projects that she has founded based on her curatorial philosophies. Museum Hour started back in October 2014. Sophie Ballinger, who was the co-founder with me, got together over Twitter. We've never met in real life. Goodness knows whether we ever will. Sophie was based up in the north of England. I'm based in the far west of Cornwall. But we both decided we'd give the idea of these discussion-based hours that were kind of finding their feet on Twitter at that time. So we decided to give it a go. And it's grown and grown and grown and changed a lot since then. Of course, Twitter's also changed hugely in terms of who participates, who feels confident about speaking up, who lurks in the background. There is a lot of polarisation on the platform now. And so we've changed and adapted Museum Hour to all of those trends that we've seen happen, including its growing politicisation as well. If I'm being honest, I've kind of treated the whole thing even six and a half years on, as an ongoing experiment in trying to understand how it is people like to communicate with each other and how it is that you can provide some kind of support for this peer-to-peer contact is what we're really after. On Museum Archipelago, we look at museums as a medium. And Twitter is also a medium, one that has changed since Museum Hour started six and a half years ago. Since then, Twitter has shifted from a simple subscriber model, one where you see all the tweets from the people you follow in the order that they tweeted, to a system that uses algorithms that optimize for other factors, such as engagement with the tweets. This can make a global conversation about museums difficult. With the change in how Twitter is managed and how the concept of driving engagement and algorithms are dictating what we see on our timelines, there has absolutely been an impact on Museum Hour because of that. We've got to work much harder to try and get ideas for topics, for example, or people's ideas out to as broad an interested audience or participation group 
that we can. And that that has proven very difficult, in fact, particularly of late, because people's timelines are so manipulated by Twitter's algorithms and because there's so much more noise on Twitter now than there was. So I'm kind of glad that Museum Hour has managed to hold its own so it retains a light structure. It does support those intimate conversations as well as supporting bigger thoughts and opinions and even ones that people disagree about in one space. I've participated in and even hosted a few museum hours. And the thing it reminds me of the most is a museum conference, or at least the conversations that you might have at a museum conference, which is yet another medium. But interestingly, Gosker says that museum hour has never been about recreating that experience. That certainly isn't the kind of experience you usually get unless you are fortunate enough to be able to afford to go to very expensive, large international museum conferences, for example, like the Museums Association conferences in the UK or any of ICOM's conferences. But we've never really perceived of Museum Hour to fill that kind of gap. We're still kind of exploring what it is that we think we're doing. And that's just by way of being very honest about not having an agenda and letting sort of the emergent process of Museum Hour happen. Museum Hour is just one of the volunteer projects Goskar works on. She is first and foremost a curator, a term I still ask for the definition of after almost 90 episodes of this show. Curating doesn't just exist in the museum world. And I think far too many people in museums think that being a curator is somehow a special feature of museums, but no other field. But that is just not true. The way I describe curation is very, very simple. For me, a good curator is part knowledge creator and part communicator. So the philosophy of the Curatorial Research Centre is very much to promote this 50% model, as we call it, idea of a curator, that you should be as interested in communicating knowledge, stories, ideas about people, about material culture, and of course, the connections between them, as you are in the research, in the generating of knowledge, and also to recognise that not all knowledge and not all research comes from a Western idea of academic research. That's very important to me in my practice, but I would certainly also recognise expertise coming from lived experiences, coming from curatorial cultures as I would recognise them in other parts of the world and certainly from other cultures past as well. So for me, it's very simple. I boil it down to a curator is 50% knowledge generator or knowledge creator and 50% communicator. And wrapped around that kind of equation is the very heart of the word to curate, which means to care for. So there must be some element of intention and meaning and caring for what you're curating in order to authentically curate whatever it is you feel you want to curate. Gosker founded the Curatorial Research Center in 2018, and a few months later brought archaeologist and audiovisual specialist Tom Gosker aboard, who also happens to be her husband. The center aims to work in partnership with museums, not just in a transactional manner. 
Research is the core of the center's work. At every opportunity, research answers the questions, why are things done like this? And what should we be doing instead? So why curatorial research? What on earth is curatorial research? It is critically engaging with the act of curation wherever that may happen. The study of the phenomenon, a bit like museology is the study specifically of museums, curatorial research is, I would say, taking a much more proactive stance towards constantly critically engaging with what curation and being a curator is all about and what it might be all about. So from my standpoint, I am an action researcher, I am a critical thinker, and I'm interested in systems. So that means that I'm always analysing, always lining up the evidence to take a really good look at it, whether that's exhibition making or collections research, or that I might be now currently focused on. So that might be diversity and decolonization. It might be more about the change in technical skills a curator needs, or it might be as my current professional life is dominated by training others in how to be a curator, put simply. These curatorial values and philosophies are on display in Goscar's other project, Citizen Curators with the Cornwall Museum's Partnership. Citizen Curators is designed to support volunteers by building their confidence and competence in key areas of curatorial work. Citizen Curators, a bit like my creation of the Curatorial Research Centre, was a long time in the making before it happened. So I was beginning to think that the idea of volunteer-reliant or volunteer-run museums needed some kind of channel into what I would call the mainstream professional museum world. And I felt that there was a lack of opportunity there that I felt that a program like Citizen Curators could fill. There were these really fascinating big ideas like inclusion, like decolonization of late, that were not touching the small museum world. The idea came for Citizen Curators, which put simply is pitched as a work-based curatorial training and museum awareness course aimed specifically at volunteers from our communities. And part of it was to sort of break down barriers between volunteers and collections and asking new questions of them. Through my support, they had permission to, for example, browse the stores, browse the object databases, come to their own conclusions, go outside the museum, talk to people about the kinds of things that they were coming up against, to also bring their own talents and hobbies and ideas to the process. There's a similarity between holding the permission space for citizen curators and holding the discussion space for Museum Hour. For Goscar, both projects feed back into her work at the Curatorial Research Centre. I've always been a practitioner in the kind of museum heritage culture arts world. That is what some people, and I would describe as I bring my whole self to, to the table so I don't compartmentalise the voluntary activities I do, for example, running Museum Hour, and the professional activities I do to earn a living. So as a career curator, 
curating in all sorts of different contexts, not just exhibitions, but being engaged in collections research, critically engaging in the systems that museums use and take for granted, trying to understand the whole phenomenon of museums. I would say that my experience of Museum Hour has quite heavily shaped how I see other people's views of museums, other ideas and other thoughts about what museums can and should be. It's also helped me formulate and to check my own understanding and also my own my own prejudices and biases about museums and you know what I think a good museum is isn't what someone else thinks a good museum is and that's okay. You can find Tamina Goskar at curatorialresearch.com. It's night at the museum, but it's not 2006. It's not New York City, and there's no Ben Stiller. It's 1966, and it's Paris, and Audrey Hepburn and Peter O'Toole have sneaked into a broom closet. They're here to steal the statue, worth $1 million. It's also fake, and the two art thieves know it. What's the job? I'm in. The Clay Bear Lafayette Museum. I'm out. Archipelago at the Movies is proud to present 1966's How to Steal a Million. Join me and special guest Rebecca Reebstein as we dissect what may be the most romantic museum movie yet. Oh, he's not a regular burglar. He's a hot burglar. <laughs> <laughs> Reveal the intricacies of the museum security alarm. Museum, senior guard speaking. Yes, I know it's a very loud alarm. And find out how Americans behave in French museums. This moment was so funny how he sees her in the mirror and runs into the mirror <laughs> trying to catch her. How to Steal a Million on Archipelago at the Movies is available now at jointhemuseum.club. It's worth a million dollars. I know. There are also a million policemen prowling around it. That works out at about a dollar a policeman. I don't like the rate of exchange. For a full transcript of this episode, as well as show notes and links, visit museumarchipelago.com. Museum Archipelago is supported by listeners like you who've joined Club Archipelago. Club Archipelago members get access to a bonus podcast where we've been doing in-depth reviews of how museums are portrayed in movies, TV shows, and even video games. If you can't get enough of how museums shape our lives, join Club Archipelago today by visiting jointhemuseum.club. And if you don't feel like it, that's totally cool too. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.